and welcome back to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Thanks so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Today on the show, it's finally time that we have a spotlight episode on the phenomenal composer, Matoy Sakuraba. He's one of our favorites here on the show. This is a long time coming. You know, anyone who's a fan of the show, or I would say a fan of video game music, will probably be familiar with this name. Such a legendary composer. One thing that's so unique about someone like Matoy Sakuraba, reminds me of someone like Yuzo Koshiro, is that this is a guy that's been around since the early days of video game music. Did stuff on the PC-88, stuff on the Super NES, the Genesis. He's still incredibly active. And in some ways, I feel like like, there's been kind of a recent renaissance of his uh, his popularity and like uh, yeah. I, I guess I'm talking about Dark Souls and Dark Souls 2 just phenomenal work that he's still doing to this day so right. this is definitely um, a warranted episode yeah absolutely it's kind of funny when we were uh, looking at doing this episode I was almost like deja vu like I couldn't believe we hadn't done a Matoy Sakuraba episode because yeah. he's one of my you know favorite game composers that we've kind of really gotten into in the last couple of years so yeah it's about time we do this episode and i think something that really uh for me personally made me appreciate motoi sakuraba like the breadth of his music is was playing through kid icarus uprising and loving all that music and having his stuff side by side with you know yuzo kashiro and mm-hmm. yasunori mitsuda and all those other legendary uh, composers that worked on that soundtrack and then seeing you know going all the way back to some of his fantastic you know like genesis stuff uh we just played in with that great track from soul feast which is a wonderful soundtrack as well that's such a cool track yeah soul feast uh, there were two different versions soul Dees, which was the the mega drive version and soul feast was the sega cd version exactly we the sega cd version that's just a kind of a quintessential sakuraba track uh to play in with one thing that is so cool about sakuraba um is that he, I feel like the his strengths, his kind of go-to style is that rocking classic old school video game style. It's something like when you listen to it, it's just like, this is classic video game music. But what's cool, and you guys will hear this in the playlist today, is we have a few cases of the softer, sweeter side of Sakuraba. Well, the thing is, you can never know what someone's uh, true passions are as far as a composer. If you're paid to work on a game, you know, that was the kind of music that was popular when he first started off. So our first impression of him was that, and I think his most prolific era in a sense was at a time you know in the 90s where a lot of video game music was doing some similar type of techniques but you know who knows maybe he actually enjoys doing the softer more kind of delicate stuff yeah even more there's really no way to know but that's what's fun is all we have is the music of these composers and what Mm -hmm. kind of story that can tell on its own So this is going to be such a fun episode. We're going to go chronologically through his discography, through his work. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of games, a lot of soundtracks we weren't able to include today. We're playing 21 tracks today, and he's done so many games. One of the most prolific composers I've ever seen. Uh, So there's obviously a lot of cool stuff. couple shout-outs. We're not playing any Mario sport tracks. Matoy Sakuraba is pretty much the main composer for Mario Tennis, Mario Golf, so many of those Mario games. Really cool stuff, but didn't quite 
quite make the cut today um, because we're just all the tracks we're playing are so good. So that's a shout out. One thing I think is interesting is Matoy Sakuraba was in this progressive rock band called Deja Vu. And apparently in 1988, they released their only album called Baroque in the Future. And I think it was composed, all the music was composed by Sakuraba. And the year, the year after that, 89, because the band broke up, 89 is when Sakuraba started work uh, for Wolf Team. And Wolf oh, Team cool. was really where he made a name for himself. Right, um, right. I would say primarily on the Genesis or the Mega Drive. That's where he did so much work. So we're going to hear that today. Let's let's start things off, guys. Awesome. Obviously, you, you heard uh, Solfi's. We're going to start things off with um, a track from the game Arcus 2 Silent Symphony. Uh, this is one of the first games that he ever worked on. This came out in 1989 uh, for the PC-88. Let's play a track called Shop Demonstration, composed by Matoy Sakuraba. way to start off today's episode this is shop demonstration from the pc88 game arcus 2 silent symphony composed by the wonderful matoy sakuraba as well as every single track we're playing today you know that's a great uh video game melody right there some of those kind of jumps they remind me of like a manami matsume melody where it's the Mm -hmm. kind of thing where you can just imagine it being crafted on the piano and then given this sort of rock energy afterwards with all the instrumentation but just that melody on its own is very beautiful and very kind of lyrical and I think that's something I just really love about classic game music is I think on the surface it's easy to look at it as like oh it's rock and it's kind of fun but I think the thing that um, even you know veteran seasoned uh, game music fans sometimes uh, can miss the fact of how kind of beautiful these melodies are, mm-hmm. even if their presentation is a little bit kind of more um, ballsy. Well, that's what makes these uh, these video game tracks so powerful and so emotional to people. Is right. Not only do they rock, but they have great melodies that really kind of mm-hmm. tug at your heartstrings. And I love that combination because what's cool about having it rock is that no one's going to call this cheesy. You know, if this was was just on a piano or just was a little bit kind of sparser and slower, there's some people that might be like, oh, this is kind of dumb. Like, this is cheesy. But the fact that it rocks, like, it kind of has something for everyone uh, in a way. So... Another cool thing is in this kind of era of the Wolf Team, 
Matoi Sakuraba worked a lot with the following composers, Masaki Uno and Yasunori Shiono. So those were also co-composers on this game, uh, cool. as well as a lot of other games in this, in this era. So now it's time to move on to the next track on our playlist. Let's do it. This is Granada. And Granada came out... Uh, in 1990 for the Genesis. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna Hello, yeah, we're gonna have Mata. a little bit of a Hello Fada. <laughs> we're gonna have a little bit of a uh, here I am it. Genesis block here on this episode. So let's play a track from Granada. This is Smashing Street Stage Nine. Camp Granada. Oh my gosh, what a blistering track. You're listening to Smashing Street Stage 9 from the Genesis game Granada, composed by Matoi Sakuraba. This came out in 90. Um, kind of have a nice little block of Genesis here in this episode. Um, this is such a cool track. That little hook. That's a really solid idea. I think this is um, my personal favorite track in the game. And what's so cool is... I listen to so many Sakuraba Genesis soundtracks, and they are so consistent. The way, like the instruments he chooses, the drum samples, the tempos, uh, I don't know. It's just like you could almost make a greatest hits of like one track from every single Genesis game you worked on. It would almost sound like this is one soundtrack. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's fun. I feel like you notice a lot of composers like that. I think to me, the one that comes to my mind a lot is uh, Kinuyo Yamashita. Ah. Um it's just someone where it's like a lot of her music has sort of the same spirit, same energy, and the same kind of melodic craft. Uh, I, I feel that way uh, for certain facets of like Yuzo Koshiro's music, mm-hmm. um, but I do think he has sort of a, a wider palette, I guess. Yeah, now, Will, I want to ask you, uh, you know, you've been kind of vocal about there, are, there have been some Genesis composers and in general some Genesis music that... Uh, I guess you feel doesn't have the craft that was present in previous generations like the NES. What do you feel? We'll we'll get to this because we're going to play a lot more of his music from this era. Right. But what do you think this track, how does this relate to maybe some of those tracks that maybe don't have the craft? Well, in general, when I sort of have those, when I say stuff like that, I'm usually kind of not including Matoi Sakuraba in that. I really love all of his music and some mm-hmm. of his Genesis stuff is among some of my favorites on that whole platform. And there's there's even some tracks that we're not playing today uh, of his that I also yeah. really love for the Genesis. Um, so I'm usually not including him, but I mm-hmm. guess even if I am including him, even if you take some of the best Genesis stuff, I do feel like its aims are a little different. And even yes. though he writes really good melodies, there's something about the busyness of it. Like the the melodies aren't as clear in front and center as mm-hmm. they were in the 8-bit days. And I do think 
the intention on behalf of most composers on the Genesis really wasn't to create these beautiful, timeless melodies. Maybe they were to have some sort of catchy tunes, but I think it was more actually about kind of rock and there's sort of like a cool factor that I think they right. were trying to achieve, which is the thing that I think in hindsight, uh, that's what doesn't hold up as well and the music that holds up well are going to be those great tunes which is why i love a lot of genesis music but i probably wouldn't listen to as much as i would as yeah you know that that makes even the super nintendo i totally agree with you well well guys we're going to stay in the year 1990 for one more game we're now going to play a track from one of my favorite soundtracks um for the mega drive from matoy sakuraba such beautiful music first time we featured this soundtrack was in our imports episode way back in season one this is zan yasha in bukioku it was only released in japan for the mega drive uh there's no known titles like official titles um for this track so we're just going to play track four from zan yasha in bukioku composed by matoy sakuraba one of my favorites today let's take a listen Such a great melody. Really one of the best things he, one of the best tracks I think he ever did in this era. This is track four from Zan Yasha in Bukioku, composed by the wonderful Matoi Sakuraba. And this is one of the soundtracks that is very different. Um, it does not sound like Granada and a lot of his other soundtracks from this era. This really, in my opinion, this kind of set was set apart from a lot of his other work. Now, this was one of the games that was done uh, solo. This was only him. He did not have a co-composer, um, which was fairly rare um, in this early era of Wolf Team. Uh, he usually was, like I said, working with one or two of those um, other people. But this was a solo soundtrack. Well, uh, as soon as I played this, you immediately remembered, oh, this was the track we played in with on our imports episode. And you were, like, you were amazed that you remembered it so well, and you probably haven't heard it a lot. Well, I think it goes to show how kind of novel this track is. This isn't something that I think you easily forget. And even though its instrumentation has that sort of biting FM sound to it, mm-hmm. I really think this melody is actually sort of a tearjerker. It's it's one of those things that I, I can't quite hmm. describe, but it has these sort of moments of emotional tension that are really powerful. They just kind of grab you, and it, it starts right off that. Another example I can think of is some of the stuff from, like, Rudra no Hiho, where it just feels like it just it hits you immediately with, like, the most compelling harmonic and melodic points of the piece. And I think yeah. this one has a similar kind of effect it's just such a good melody it's just 
it, the melody is almost kind of ignoring what's happening in the chords and it it, it allows for this kind of has sort of like a lonely sensibility yeah. to it it's yeah, really no, I, I feel that definitely well again we're going to stay the same year move on to another genesis game this is el viento another solo soundtrack for the genesis i think this was uh released also in north america so this is genesis here el viento let's take a listen to stage seven high sky Such a classic video game track. You guys hear what I mean? Where so many of these soundtracks uh, from Matoi Sakuraba in this era sound so similar, and all of them sound so classic. Reminds you're me listening... of Yoko Shimomura, or kind of like a Street yes. Fighter-y Capcom kind of thing. Yeah, you're listening to Stage 7, High Sky, from El Viento for the Genesis. He loves the clap samples here, doesn't he? <laughs> Maybe that's why it was reminding me of Street Fighter. Some of these chords are pretty advanced. You know, there's some kind of jazzy substitutions and modulations. Oh, yeah occurring but again all through the sort of package of this tight rock presentation. Will would you say he maybe overuses the clap samples in this track or what do you think? I like it. I mean I think it gives it sort of a, a distinctiveness. I it's it's really hard because I can't put myself back into, you know, the early nineties to what that would have been like. So to me any time where there's sort of like an obnoxious use of something like that, that's usually like my favorite thing. Right. I usually think it's really cute because like I'm listening to it with the perspective of sort of feeling nostalgic about it. So it, it's hard to kind of think at the time if that would be really effective or what that would have sounded like. But yeah, I really like it. Cool. Well, now we're going to move on to um, a soundtrack for the PC-98. This is Arcus 3. And I think this one was um, co-composed by Ryoto Furuya. Uh, that's a name we haven't, he hasn't worked uh, with so far at this time. This is also 1991. Let's play a track from this game. We're going to play, uh, and this is another one where some of these Japanese games, they don't have names for these tracks. So this is Music 2 from Arcus 3, composed by Matoi Sakuraba. <laughs>
This is so cool. We're listening oh. to Music 2 from Arcus 3. This is my favorite track we've played so far today. Absolutely. One of my favorites of the whole day. When, the, when that drum beat comes in, it just kills me. That early snare groove, the melody is so solid. The B section is amazing. This is such a masterful piece of music. Yeah, it's it's really incredible. It, I I love the melody. I love the the groove. Everything about it is is super super solid. This is phenomenal FM writing. I really love how the verse is minor. Um, well, it's actually sort of modal. It, I can't quite tell. It, some of it sounds Dorian, but it's 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 kind of cheating. But you know, mm -hmm. it, it definitely sort of has sort of a minor sound to it. But uh, the the B section, which is really almost like a chorus. Uh, yeah. is that major and it's just so kind of rousing and, and exciting also I think, it's a well, great change of energy it's change of energy it's a perfect contrasting B section where it takes you on a completely different um, set of emotions and all of a sudden it's like really happy and this kind of descending thing and you're like yeah we can do this but then when it comes back because yeah I wouldn't say the A section is sad it is minor but like it's so groovy and jazzy and something about that those uh, just the way that the melody is kind of uh, contouring the, the chords is just Oh, it's so beautiful. And, just, well, this and is when great... he uses those two kind of borrowed chords, which are borrowed in a major key, the flat six and flat seven major yeah. to get back to it. Um, th there's a little melodic run that he does. The first time I, I was listening to him, I'm like, huh, that's like, it's a little bit busy to really right. feel like memorable. But what I love is then the second time we hear that, that he kind of plays it again and again, gets it in our ear, and that mm -hmm. transitions us into that final bridge section, which yeah. I thought was really cool because that was sort of my one, not complaint or concern, that was just one sort of thing that yep. I noticed, and it was like resolved by the end of the Isn't form, that cool? which I thought was yeah, and, really it, and I love the deceptive form where you think that's that that's, that's all you've heard from the song. And there's this great C section later. So, anyways, yeah. guys, we're gonna move on to that was PC ninety eight. We're gonna move on to another Genesis soundtrack. This is Ernest Evans for the Genesis. Let's play stage three. Again, such a solid melody with a really rocking groove. The combination of a beautiful melody, but the fact that it's uh, underneath, it's on top of this like really energetic groove is just the best of both worlds. I don't know, I something agree. about um, his writing in this era is so natural and just it feels like some of the most classic um, rocking video game music you can ever hear. This is Ernest Evans right. 
stage three for the Genesis. Well, there's something that he does in this track that I uh, really noticed and enjoyed because if you've been listening to sort of a lot of his Genesis music, he's a big fan of arpeggiating his chord progressions. Mm -hmm. He sort of has constant arpeggios. And I mean, that's really kind of like an old school video game composer's best friend because obviously freeing up voices for sustained chords. Um, But what I like is at the beginning of this track, it's just sort of doing simple arpeggiations of the chords. But towards the end of the form there, it starts that way. There's like these arpeggios, but then they have sort of a more chromatic nature and they sort of blur the line between sort of arpeggiating the chord progression and creating sort of a counter melody or counter line, which I think is really kind of brilliant because it allows you to notice this color that you've almost been trained up until this point to kind of not notice. Those arpeggios feel usually it's like the they're, focus. they're adding something rhythmically to the, to the pulse of it, but I feel more it's a way of just kind of establishing the bed of harmony yeah. in there. So you kind of ignore it for the most part in game music. But here was a time where he's kind of like, now I want you to pay attention to this line. That's a great this is having some musical purpose. So I really enjoyed that. So Ernest Evans came out in 92. We're now going to jump a few years because I think we've, we've definitely covered enough of that era, right? So I think we can move on uh, to 1995. Um, we're going to play a soundtrack for the PS1. This game is called Beyond the Beyond. <laughs> and we're going to play a track called Beyond the World, of course, composed by Matoy Sakuraba. Let's take a listen. That is a very progressive piece of music right there. Sounds like a battle theme to me. This is Beyond the World from Beyond the Beyond. And this is an excerpt of this track because this actual track is like 10 minutes long. In this era, um, there's a lot longer forms uh, you're hearing from Matoy Sakuraba, but such a cool piece of music that is so advanced, in my opinion, technically, um, the way it sounds for 1995. It does not fall into the Uncanny Valley that much for me. Obviously, some of the sounds are a little bit cheesier, but as far as what he's going for, it kind of reminds me of some of his modern uh, rocking stuff. Well, I think my biggest problem with PS1 is, ironically, it sounds like kind of bad 80s um, production sensibilities for a lot of that stuff. Like, if they have recorded music or non-recorded music, they just, like, the cheesiest things, the drums will have that gated reverb. Part of this, you have to... The guitars and everything will just kind of... You have to remember it's 1995. Uh, you know, in some of that stuff, um, I don't know, just there wasn't very good virtual instruments in 1995. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I really like this track. It's fun because it's like some of the things um, just kind of technically uh, feel a lot like a lot of PlayStation music. And there's some kind of weird, quirky things with sounds and noises happening. 
Um, but behind it is just sort of a classic uh, Sakuraba composition. <laughs> Absolutely. So now we're going to play another 1995 soundtrack. This is for the Super Famicom. I believe the only track we're playing for that system. This is Tales of Fantasia, once again released in the same year. And we're going to play a really beautiful, simple track called Penetrate. And when it starts off, uh, it's definitely nice and pretty. But then this solo, I think it's like a harmonica or a melodica comes in. And it sounds immediately like like, whoa, this is Super NES? It sounds like way better than almost any Super NES I, uh, track I can think of. So this is a really cool track called Penetrate. Let's take a listen. that is a gorgeous piece of music and like i said you know we're entering this uh little block in today's episode is the softer sweeter side more beautiful side of matoi sakuraba so the next couple tracks are definitely not rocking and kind of a little bit more sparse and, and you know melodic uh romantic maybe reminds me a little bit of you know chrono trigger final fantasy very pretty yeah well what are your thoughts on the instruments the implementation of this on the snes and what do you think that real that instrument would be in real life well one thing that i was kind of intrigued by in the beginning the piano obviously sounds kind of fake because the nature of the snes samples but the reverb is sort of occurring over everything so what you're hearing reverberating is everything which is something i was thinking about because obviously my first thought would be like how would you sample that or recreate it in Mm kind of our way of making snes music and that's something where it's like there really is no way of capturing that exact reverb sound for multiple notes at once but the lead instrument Um, specifically the lead instrument is great uh i it does kind of I agree it sounds like a melodica but it I think it's probably an original SNES sample that was made probably for this game and I think the other thing that kind of helps sell it uh, is the rhythms are a little bit kind of complex and they feel sort of soloistic or kind of improvisational even if like it it just seems like sort of there was a defined melody and you had a performer who was just kind of taking his liberties with it and obviously Mm -hmm. i know it was inputted because that's sort of what you had to do on the super nintendo but i think those touches make it feel a little bit more lifelike absolutely so now guys we're going to play another really soft beautiful track from shining force 3 if you guys remember this was one of the few games in the series that matoi sakuraba worked on came out for the saturn in 1997 um and as we go here we'll give a couple more shout outs maybe to some some soundtracks we don't have time for but yeah shining force 3 let's take a listen to a beautiful track called sorrow 
gorgeous. You guys are listening to Sorrow from Shining Force 3 for the Sega Saturn, composed by Matoy Sakuraba. Now, Will, you made some interesting observations when we were listening to this track. Do you want to kind of share those with our listeners? I'd rather not. I think that's between you and I. Absolutely. I mean, it was very personal in nature. No, yeah. Will, Will, <laughs> Will was just talking about uh, the lead, not the flute here. I think the flute's very effective, but the B section um, just really sounds like Super NES. Just something about um, kind of this era. I don't know what that is. I, that sample, it's got to be some sort of basic general MIDI brass or something. I don't know what it is, but the the type of digital vibrato they do to it, which you hear it on Super Nintendo, PlayStation. Yeah, you said it like reminded you of like a synthesizer or something, Yeah, right? it just kind of sounds so synthesized. Somehow it's timbre really reminds me of the FDS expansion on the Famicom disc It's funny. System. No, this was a track that we did feature in our Shining Force episode, and I remember it really kind of stopped you in your tracks the first time you heard it, so I'm glad we got to feature this today. Cause yeah, I think this it, is really beautiful. It's, you know, this, this is some of his, um, his best work in this era of, you know, it's kind of a turning point because he's not, up until this point, he's known for, oh, Sakurabi, he's like that really great rocking progressive composer who just like, you know, ups everything to 11. But it's nice that he's able to showcase, you know what, I can do something a little bit softer a little bit more serious so that's cool we got to feature that now let's move on we're jumping a couple years here so obviously some shout outs mario tennis mario golf the first valkyrie profile a lot of really good stuff we're going to move to 2001 to the game boy advance to golden sun a really well-loved soundtrack for the game boy advance in game let's take a listen to forest's requiem a beautiful melody it really reminds me of um some gregorian chant it just kind of sounds like he's definitely going for a very different era you hear this kind of technique so often in rpg games where you're trying to get this kind of spiritual feel this is forest's requiem from golden sun oh my gosh technically it doesn't even sound like gba music Will is saying that it sounds better than a lot of um, DS or Super Nintendo music. It's just so impressive. I remember this on our Forest episode way back uh, in Season 1. What's interesting is, yeah, those pan flutes sound phenomenal. 
Um, then when that sort of malady instrument comes in, it sounds a little bit faker. Kind of then it kind of reminds me of like Super Nintendo. Yeah. But then when those actual GBA synths come in, it actually sounds to me more like PC eighty eight or ninety eight. So it's kind of like it reminds me of different kind of. <laughs> Sound hardware that he's worked on throughout the Which years. Which is what I love about GBA, track. you know, is you have that kind of mixture. But of I mean, so it never sounds, sounds like this, and the samples are always usually very fuzzy and compressed. So this is insane to me, and just a beautiful piece of music. So now we're gonna um, move on to something a little bit more rocking. This is a game called Tales of Destiny Two. Came out in two thousand two, and this came out for the PS2, we're going to play a track called A Resolution by Matoy Sakuraba. Such a solid melody. You guys are listening to A Resolution from Tales of Destiny 2 for the PS2, composed by Matoi Sakuraba. If I'm not mistaken, this is part of what I would consider the Tales series, because there's so many games that I'm looking on his, uh, his, his, you know, his discography here that start with Tales. You have Tales of Fantasia, Tales of Symphonia, there's so many different ta- Tales of Rebirth, Tales of Fandom, Tales of Destiny 2. Um, so many games that start with Tales, and I can only assume that they're some way related. This was co-composed, the soundtrack was co-composed by Shinji Tamura, which that, go- uh, that you know, fellow goes back uh, a long ways with Matoi Sakuraba as, you know, kind of a collaborative partner. Could have featured some of this uh, work last week in our collaborative episode. We did feature a, um, a soundtrack we'll get to later that he worked on. But what are your thoughts on this, Will? I really kind of like that blistering harpsichord part that keeps <laughs> sort of uh, a constant subdivision. It really helps the rock groove, I think. Absolutely. That's a cool track. And that so melody now, is just like classical video game. Da, 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 da. That, I mean, it's great. I love it. Now we're going to move on to Star Ocean Till the End of Time. For the PS2, we have a few Star Ocean games we're going to feature today. This is for the PS2. We're going to play a really cool track called Cutting Edge of Notion. Here we go.
really cool piece of music. Um, this is Cutting Edge of Notion from Star Ocean Till the End of Time. And I believe this came out for the Xbox, if I'm not mistaken, in 2003. Um, was definitely when this was released. Uh, yeah, this is a solo Matoi Sakuraba soundtrack. This sounds and so much like uh, Dark Pit Battle from Kid Icarus Uprising. Yeah. It's kind of insane. Uh, it is insane. You, you can really tell he... There must have been something about these rhythms that he felt that he didn't fully explore in this track. Um, and it's funny because I do think that Dark Pit Battle is by far the better Way piece better. of music. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting. Like his take two of this idea, um, he really struck uh, just something amazing with with it. So it's cool that he was kind of revisiting that. So hey, Carl, I have an idea. Maybe we should. Uh, I I was reading some remarks from our very kind fans, and I think it was Simon who said that instead of catching up while we're listening to the songs, we should take some time while we're on air to catch up because just sure realistically you know you and i haven't spoken since the last time we did the podcast so what's new with you what's new with me um just kind of still working slowly whittling away on my kirby album right now i'm working on a battle piece of music something that's a little bit more contrasting to um some of the happier tracks i've i've done it'd be really Um, funny if it wasn't snes at all it was just (laughs) all like distorted guitar but no other than that i don't know not really not really much kind of the same old i don't know your funk your funk band um Mm -hmm. didn't you just recently start with a new keyboardist yeah we have a new keys player and i'm really excited because we just scheduled some studio time so in early november we're going to enter the studio and um just try to track a whole album in one day live you know it's it's jazzy kind of improv music so it makes sense for for that kind of stuff to be live but we're gonna try to film it and just have uh just like a really productive day so um i'm sure in some way uh if any of you are interested uh, maybe in the in the coming months i might kind of share some of that stuff but yeah and i'm really excited yeah, about that, that stuff would be kind of cool i think to share on like a future original showcase just to see some sure. of the other types of composing that you're doing yeah so well what what about you i mean i know this is an exciting time for you what, what's what's new with you man yeah, I'm really liking it here. I feel very kind of immersed in music, um, taking a lot of classes. Uh, it's it's interesting in my composition program, there's sort of like equal parts pretentious, obnoxious music. But then I've also met a few people that... Um, there's a few people that are really into game music. I met this one guy who is just like a, the biggest fan of Jeremy Soul. And cool. I... And one of his other guys who's I just kind of made friends with, he's really into the music of Joe Hisiashi and um, Rachmaninoff. And then, oh, yeah. so we kind of bonded talking about F- Koji yeah. Kondo because Rachmaninoff is like one of his biggest influences. So there yeah. are equal forces, you know, campaigning for very good traditional melodic music. No, that so, sounds cool. Yeah, I'm enjoying myself. Sounds good. Well, no, it's nice to it's nice to catch up. So thanks, Simon, for that little piece of feedback, because it's definitely we we enjoy kind of um, obviously having one time a week that we can get together. And obviously, a lot of that is going to be dedicated to just, you know, catching up and maybe occasionally we'll try to do that on air. So and now the most important thing. How are you, audience? Tell us about your day. No. So we'll just wait. <laughs> we'll wait for a reply. All right. Sounds good. Uh, we're now going to move on to Tales of Symphonia, and I believe this came out for the GameCube. We're going to play a couple really cool GameCube soundtracks. Uh, this is a track called Revival.
beautiful piece of music. You guys are listening to Revival from the GameCube game Tales of Symphonia. Talk about dynamic contrast. Wow. I mean, I've, I've heard of dynamic contrast and for, as far as performance and just, you know, volume, essentially. But here is where the instrumentation actually matches uh, the curve of dynamicism because obviously it starts off just yeah. very soft and delicate with the piano. And then we have that one flute introduced. And eventually, you know, you have sort of these full orchestra coming just for just for a small, short part of the Isn't piece. Isn't that impressive? And it just kind of really expands and then it retracts back. And what's cool that about piano. that is he's treating it like... Um, any sort of serious orchestral piece of music. He's not showing off like, hey, look at I have pretty nice sounding orchestral samples, so let's use it for the whole piece. He's using it um, for a musical effect, like you said, you know, having that crescendo and decrescendo. It's it's so impressive. And, and because you only get those orchestral sounds for such a short amount of time, you're not able to really kind of nitpick like, ooh, does that sound fake? Does that sound... It just You just listen to the piece of music and kind of get submerged in it. Well, um, and also it's, it's like GameCube era. I mean, no one was really using full I know. Orchestra that much. Yeah, it's, it's great. So now we're going to play another GameCube soundtrack. This is really, uh, I think, obscure game called Baton Katos. Now you spell that B-A-T-E-N-K-A-I-T-O-S. We got an email um, a couple months ago from Geek, and he mentioned to us uh, this soundtrack, and that was something I did kind of put on a little bit of a notepad, and luckily we were able to feature it today because, hey, it's composed by Matoy Sakuraba. This is a really cool track called The True Mirror. is a rocking piece. You guys are listening to The True Mirror from Baton Katos for the GameCube. No idea what that title means, but uh, I know what this track means. You know, there really is something to having that very kind of lush solo violin playing these rocking VGM melodies. You know, <laughs> I mean, the type of melodies that I hear, and this is a technique we hear so much. I mean, a lot of the modern sonic music tends to do it a lot. Um, all the recent Ease soundtracks do it. Um, it just It's become a very kind of popular tradition for modern rocking video game music is to have yeah. a solo violin do the melody. And th- there's something about it I might be a little sick of aesthetically because it kind of is trotting down the same path a little bit. But there is something compelling about having that violin doing something that feels not really very idiomatic to violin writing. It feels more like (laughs) guitar melodies or just classic inputted video game melody so there is something kind of fun about that yeah what it i has like sort of a nostalgia what i like about listening to this in the context of gamecube soundtracks this sounds so much better than anything that was done on the gamecube i mean i don't know it's like 
take a listen to like the average GameCube. It just sounds so MIDI and just like not impressive. It's just like it almost just sounds like a little bit better fidelity N64. And I think what's so cool is here, and you know, and this was also true on the N64. Listen to Mario Tennis. Um, as far as just like how rocking that was compared to most Nintendo 64 um, soundtracks. I just feel like he's always kind of pushing the boundaries, but at the end of the day, he's just making progressive music. I want to go back and listen to his band, Deja Vu, and see if I can hear some similarities uh, between that and this, because so many of this kind of slightly well, modern... I think that's a that's a good point to make, Carl, because his music does push boundaries, but not in sort of an attention-seeking way. I think right. just more out of the need... Uh, for himself to express more musically. I think he kind of wanted yeah. a little bit more to work with. So now let's move on to Valkyrie Profile 2 for the PS2. And this game came out in 2006. So let's take a listen to a track called Motion of a Finishing Blow. That's an impressive track. You guys are listening to Motion of a Finishing Blow from Valkyrie Profile 2. Um, judging from the track title, I think this is a battle piece of music. Um, but yeah, this... Uh, I don't know. It, in this playlist, it kind of feels like a leap forward technically. Um, I feel like we're firmly solidified in, like, this is a modern video game piece. It, it doesn't really... Um, sound out of date as far as like the instrument sounds like this would be something that I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if this was 2013 it's a lot earlier than that but I don't know we're kind of entering that great yep we're entering that era where it just it sounds good and you're able to just enjoy it and he does a good job of mixing synthesizers with um, you know symphonic sounds yeah which I think helps to sort of Mask some of the falsities of the samples because mm-hmm. they're kind of juxtaposed with real actual synthesizers. So it makes them Absolutely. sound very kind of authentic in comparison. So guys, we're really kind of entering um, a pretty recent era from a Toy Soccer Up. We're now moving to 2009. We're going to play an Xbox 360 soundtrack, Star Ocean, The Last Hope. This is a really cool track. It's uh, pretty rocking, um, pretty interesting stuff here. So pay close attention to this. This is Blood on the Keys.
really cool stuff. You guys are listening to Blood on the Keys from Star Ocean, The Last Hope, composed by Matoy Sakuraba. I like this electric piano uh, stuff that's happening right here. It's Some like cool a, organs. It was another too. example of a dynamic contrast, you know, having this big kind of full rock sound and then bringing it back, stripping it down to just these sound of bare yeah, nobody, essential skeletons. One thing I'll say, when you listen to a modern Sakuraba track, it's unmistakable nobody else is doing this nobody else is doing this authentic prog rock with organ real drums really like interesting synth sounds i don't know there's something about his work that it's so authentic to almost outside genres of video game music and obviously we know that there's so many um you know talented japanese composers that are using those genres but something about the way he does it feels so authentic and exciting and just like improvisational I don't know there's well, just something the, about the his the key to being a, a good and successful composer is um, being willing to kind of change up your formula and being able to stay modern and contemporary and I think that's why he's been successful is he's always sort of pushing the boundaries and always he strikes me as someone who's challenging himself to stay relevant, relevant. and that's yep. why it's so and fun to listen to his whole and will I'm so glad you said that. Perfect segue. This is a turning point uh, for his career, and I don't know, I feel like this is going to further solidify him as a powerhouse going forward in the future. This is Dark Souls. It yeah, it's came crazy out, that he got to do Dark Souls, because that's one of oh the Oh my gosh, in Dark games. Souls 2, even more, I feel like just it made such a splash critically. Dark Souls 2, uh, we're only playing a track from the first game today. Obviously, we could have played something from the second game, but we wanted to, you know, keep this well, playlist I think diverse. The reason why it's surprising to me is because I feel like for a lot of modern games like this, we start to see way more Western composers doing kind of these big epic soundtracks. And so it's really awesome to have a legend like Matoi Sakuraba oh, in the composing It's great. Scene. And he did such a great... He outdid himself on both of these. We're going to play a track from Dark Souls 1. Came out 2011 for the PS3. Let's play a track called Nameless Song, a really, really close contender for a track of the week. Uh, enjoy, guys.
Wow. The most gorgeous track of the day, I would say. Um, you know, we talked about, we have a couple tracks that feature the softer, sweeter side of Sakuraba. I don't know what side this is, but whatever side this was, he completely outdid himself on both of these soundtracks. I think, like you said, well, I, it was a great opportunity for him uh, t to work on these really massive games and i'm so surprised that he got to work on a game like this yeah i mean this is so beautiful the melody is really fantastic but it also has that hinge of being part of an older game music era just sort of the craft in those arpeggios i think is something that he you just can has hear, a lot of experience yeah, you can from. hear the old school sakuraba in there too yeah, and you know what I think was a brilliant choice? Having this boy soprano do the vocal line, it has much more of a sense of, like, innocence and purity. Um, I think part of that is just the lack of vibrato. Like, it's not an aged voice, so it's just, like, a pure tone. And also, it's, like, it's very recognizably a child. And so I think, you know, Dark Souls, Demon Souls, those games are known for being some of the most difficult and brutal video games of the modern era so i think having this sort of sense of innocence mm -hmm. is really sort of striking emotionally in this sort of intense Ugh. um yeah what an emotional piece world. that's just absolutely gorgeous so now guys near the end of this playlist it's finally time for this week's track of the week we alluded to it earlier it's impossible not to pick Dark Pit Battle from Kid Icarus Uprising, composed solely by Matoi Sakuraba for this week's track but of the week. But this soundtrack, remember, was so incredible because uh, he also worked with Yuzo Koshiro, Yasunori Matsuda, and I think two other composers mm -hmm. as well. So it was just sort of like a, a dream yeah, team and, of and, excellent people. And also last week, guys, the track we played in our collab episode was also composed by Sakuraba. He did... S Arguably the best tracks in the game. Uh, really, really, really great work on this soundtrack. Which is this, crazy because I think I if, if you asked me, like, uh, out of those three composers, Yasunori Matsuda, Matoi Sakuraba, and Yuzo Koshiro, honestly, my inclination would be to rank um, yeah. those other two ahead of him just because I feel like they've done more... Um, you know, very acclaimed soundtrack. So that's what was so impressive. To yeah. Me about so, this. so this melody has been in my head probably more than any other track we've ever played on the podcast. It really is an absolute classic in my opinion. Let's take a listen to Dark Pit Battle from Kid Icarus Uprising composed by Matoi Sakuraba. <laughs>
Holy smokes. I don't know about you guys, but that's one of my absolute favorite tracks we've ever played on this show. I absolutely love it. I don't know what it is. It's. It, I think it's just the combination of the production. And I talked about this earlier where this is so much more authentic, uh, nailing prog, nailing kind of 70s rock. It reminds me of like something by Yes, way more than I've ever heard in a video game. Not only that... But also, I mean, it has such sort of a Spanish flavor with yeah, the guitar. And such guitars. a solid, timeless melody that you can't help but just remember like i i heard this one time and it was in my head like permanently i don't know this is just one of the best definitely the best track i think he's ever done yeah it's really solid that melody is so catchy and again it feels like a video game music melody because yeah. it just takes no breaths it's very noty you know yeah. again it's not something that feels like natural for the guitar and dude let's but... talk about my favorite moment in the piece where all of a sudden it cuts out and then you have and it comes back with the full band it's just it rocks I don't know what else to say about it yeah it's very good now let's move on to Tales of Zillia 2 this came out in 2012 same year it's Kid Icarus uh, let's play a really cool track called Keep Pushing Until the Sword is Exhausted. Thank you guys so much for joining us on this journey through the music of Matoy Sakuraba, starting with the PC-88 and the Genesis moving all the way uh, to the PS3. I, You know what? Before we did this episode and before I was preparing for it, I definitely wouldn't have told you that, you know, he's one of my favorite game composers. But after this, I don't know, he's definitely solidified a place on uh, one of my favorite game composers ever. I'm such a big fan of his work. I, I'm so excited that he's kind of having this renaissance as of late with just some of his best work, some of his most acclaimed work happening in the past couple years. Just, yeah, guys, thanks for joining us on this ride. Yeah, it's it's really been a blast. I, it, again, it was like surprising to me that we hadn't done this episode already because, <laughs> I mean, I really love this guy. Yeah, and I want you guys to stick around for our playout track. It's another track from the Star Ocean series, but it's for the Game Boy. It's our only 8-bit Sakuraba track, and he really does great 8-bit work, I I will say. So stick around for that track. It's a final boss of Star Ocean Blue Sphere. But yeah, we have some really cool stuff coming up. I believe next week we have Show and Tell, right, Will? Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. I, I'm actually, just a little spoiler, I'm I'm hoping to get some uh, Pushmo World tracks in there. Ooh. I'm going to really do some scouring and see if I can find some links for it. Because for the last two show and tells, I've really wanted to do it. And cool. that's going to be my goal. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Well, yeah, I have some already some really cool stuff up my sleeve for that. Yeah, Carl, let's give us a project update about your Kirby album. Let's see. Kirby album is going really well. Like I said, I'm currently working on um, a battle theme, which I think is going to be really nice. Uh, kind of change a pace. But so far, what I have done, I have... Uh, 
10 tracks or that will be the ten, when i finish that which will be in the next couple days that will be the 11th track completed i think there's going to be 14 or 15 on the album so really getting close so you're like you're like 75 percent of the yeah. way there yeah getting there so i'm really really excited to share that with you guys i'm just really really happy with the sounds i'm getting i think you guys are going to get a kick out of it especially if you're a fan um, of that music and it's given me an increased appreciation and love of the work of john ishikawa so yeah can't wait that's awesome, man. Yeah. And one thing that we wanted to mention is we've actually been getting a lot of uh, people have been listening to our music as of late, but something that we've noticed is not as many people are downloading them. And I think it's because of the suggested prices that we have on our albums, which I mean, I think are pretty reasonable like for mine it's like five dollars for a 20 track album the other ones it's like 350 for like a 15 track album so in the one thing that we want to stress is the reason why we have that is because making all this music and making the show it does cost a lot of money um it actually costs probably more than you'd think so that that's why we really it does help us out if you do download um our albums if you're into our music if not no worries but that would really help us because that's sort of where that money goes absolutely and another thing we wanted to mention is harmony of heroes a really awesome smash brothers fan tribute album uh has just recently been released it's it's a really cool project that we're kind of happy to be a part of so about 100 tracks on this it's for free uh we we did a really cool reggae remix of the balloon fight theme uh called full of hot air which features all live players which we had a great time making so we're happy to be a part of this so yeah guys definitely check that album out harmony of heroes Thanks so much, guys, for sticking with us on this show. It's so great to have you every week. We appreciate anyone who's leaving really nice iTunes reviews. Really, That really helps us out as well. Stick around next week for show and tell, and stick around for this final boss from Star Ocean Blue Sphere by the wonderful Matoy Sakuraba. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. Peace <laughs> out.